1: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com writingexcuses. Season 18, Episode 3. This is Writing Excuses.
2: An interview with Aaron Roberts.
1: Fifteen minutes long.
2: Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart.
1: I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dong Wan. I'm Aaron.
2: I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. So today we are talking with Aaron Robbins, and we're going to find out a little bit more about her background and where she comes from and the perspective that she's bringing to the podcast. Um, so let, I kind of wanted to start with... You know, you've said that you're kind of the early stage writer here among the five of us, and you're bringing that perspective to the podcast. So let's just dive right in. Um, where did you get your start? What was, what was the thing that brought you to writing as, as a serious thing that you were pursuing?
3: Great question. So I I often think of myself as a little bit of a late bloomer because I was just going about my life, you know, living, working in the nonprofit field, doing my thing. And uh, in New York, there's the Gotham Writers Center, and they were having a class on writing science fiction and fantasy in person, which was like the first time they'd had it in person ever. And I decided to take the class and had a really great professor who just, you know, was like, actually, you you know, you're, you're not bad at this. Like, you might want to look into this some more, like this writing thing. It could, it could work out for you, uh, which is why I love teaching and why I think teaching is so important because, you know, you just need somebody to kind of believe in you uh, and say, like, this, this could work. And so uh, that was not that many years ago. I think it was 2014. So 2014, 2015, um, I had not been doing any writing or, you know, other than in the margins of my notebooks at, during boring work meetings. Um, and so I just decided to mainline, uh, writing, basically like think of me with an IV with writing advice coming into it. So I went off to the Odyssey writing workshop. I went and got an MFA. I listened to writing excuses, podcasts. (laughs) I did everything that I could to just try to learn about it. But I really kind of came sort of out of nowhere in my life and decided to take this kind of radical
2: shift. That's such an exciting transition. Um, when, what was your first sale? Like, how long did it take you to get to that first professional sale?
3: My first sale was in, I think it was 2016. I was actually while I was at the MFA program, which was great because it forced me to write all the time because I had to turn in things to my professor. So they would beat me. Not really, <laughs> um, but they, so I was turning in things all the time and working on stories. And I think actually the first story I sold Wolfie Things was something I wrote during Odyssey uh, and then reworked a bit during my MFA and then sold to PodCastle, go PodCastle. And uh, just really, uh, it was. so it took like a couple of years uh, for that to happen. And then I just kept writing and had a few more sales. I had a few things out in 2018, um, then blah, 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 pandemic. And I've been doing a few other things with my time as well, but I continue to love and, and work in the short story form
2: was that the I, first place you had submitted to or had you submitted several places before you got there? Like how, how long did it take you from the time that you're like, I think this is good enough to send out to it ending up on Podcastle?
3: That one took, it took a little bit of a journey. It went, it went around the world, you know, that old song been around the world and I, 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 I can't find my baby. It's like that, <laughs> but with short stories. Um, so I think it was maybe the 10th or 11th. It, it took a while uh, for, for that one to sell. And, you know, that's how it goes a lot of the time.
1: I I was wondering because you you talked about the MFA and and I know that you're a science fiction fantasy sometimes horror. I always hear people talking about how difficult it is to do science fiction and fantasy in an MFA program. Did you did you have any pushback? Is that where you started? Like, what so was that I,
3: like? I specifically picked the Stone Coast MFA program ah. because they are science fiction, fantasy, horror friendly. Um, I will say that from the time that I went to the MFA program, which was like 2017, 2018 to now, programs in general have become much more friendly to speculative fiction. I see that now as somebody who teaches at a, a university The people that they're looking for as professors, the classes that they're offering, I think people were like, it was a fad, it'll go away. And then they were like, it didn't go away and our students are going to write it. So we might as well bring people on who know about it and who don't, you know, turn up their noses at it. So I think we're actually kind of coming into a really rich, amazing era for learning about speculative fiction in an MFA program, if that's the thing that you want to do.
4: Okay, so... In 1999, my next-door neighbor had just gotten out of medical school and started an OBGYN practice at age 45. I cannot wait to see coach. where this segue goes. He'd, no, he'd been a gym it coach, was me. a collegiate <laughs> gym coach, uh, and then decided, no, this isn't what I want to do with my life. And it was super inspiring to me. I quit my day job. To doing software middle management to become a cartoonist, um, and I've seen in my own life that there's a huge there's a huge effect on my writing that comes from all that stuff that happened beforehand. So the question for you, you yes, you say you came to writing late. There's nothing wrong with that. You front loaded with all of this information, all of this life experience. How has that colored? How has that altered? How has that affected the things that you create?
3: Ooh, I love that question, in part because I don't really know. Um, And I think it's something that, it's something good to think about more. I think it's something we all could think about more because, you know, you are you. You know, it's sort of like if your face changes every day, you don't notice it. You know, it's when you go and look at somebody else, they're like, oh my gosh, your face has shifted. How this has happened, I don't know. But you know, you you see yourself differently than other people see you, and so you know the experiences I, I've had to me are just the experiences that I've had. But I've had a lot of fun times. Like I, there are things that I've learned in working in the nonprofit sector, in working in the social justice philanthropy. That's really that have really impacted the way that I think about how writing can create positive change in the world, the ways in which we see the world. One of the things that you learn a lot when you work in nonprofits, and I worked in nonprofit communications, is that there are well-worn paths that we have in our thinking a lot of the time. And part of what you try to do when you are in my job is to shift that path a little bit and say, hey, you know, the world could be a little different if we go this different way. And writing can do that. Fiction writing does that as well. Every piece of fiction is telling some sort of story about the world the way it is, the way it could be. And I think that Having thought about that differently outside of the fiction world really helped me think differently about how fiction does that as well.
2: Great. Let's take a break for a second to talk about the thing of the week. And we will be right back with uh, more from Aaron Roberts about how to build a career and how to build a life in the writing world.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. All right. Our thing of the week is
3: Dungeons and Dragons, y'all. It is Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel, which is a Dungeons and Dragons adventure book. It's a compilation of different adventures, including one written by me, yours truly, Aaron Roberts. That's about horror and Southern Gothic and Black folks. But what's really important and exciting about this book is... In thinking about the different perspectives that we all bring to the table and the way that it shapes the worlds that we create, Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel is a DD and d book, an official out from Wizards of the Coast D&D book that was written entirely by people of color, bringing our own lived experiences and perspectives to the page and saying, you know. Medieval European fantasy, awesome. But what else can I bring to the table? For me, it was what can I bring about the Black experience in the American South? For other folks, it was what can I bring from Mexico, from other folks, you know, it's all around the world. And so people were really bringing themselves to the table and saying, play in our worlds, experience our adventures, and just have a good old time in a D&D way. So it's Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel, and it's out from Wizards of the Coast.
2: All right. So I have a question for you. Um, As someone who has also worked in the gaming industry, I'm really fascinated to hear about your game writing. Uh, How did you get into that? Um, What are your plans for it in the future? Do you see yourself as primarily a game writer, primarily a a fiction writer who does games? Um, Tell us about that aspect of your career. Sure. I'll start
3: with the second part first, which is that I think of myself as a storyteller. Um, And really what it's about is figuring out what's the best venue to tell each story. So there are times when you want to control the story. You want to know exactly how the person is moving through it. That's what prose is great for. You know, that's where you're trying to control everything from where somebody takes a breath to what they think of the characters. Not always successfully, but that's a little bit the dream. In game writing, you're letting people play a little bit in your world. And part of it is creating a backdrop for other people to tell their stories And so it's just a very different type of storytelling, but it's all storytelling and it's all world building, which is one of my favorite parts of just storytelling as a whole and why I've always liked science fiction and fantasy and horror. Uh, For me, I got involved because um, a very kind person, I told them I really wanted to do some game writing. Um, Ajit George, an amazing uh, game writer himself, and he passed my name to a few folks. And then I, I wrote for them and then they were like, come back and write more and write more and write more, you know, because as you know, if you're ever a freelancer or somebody working in a field like that, getting the first job is hard, getting the second job is harder. And the third is the hardest, because that's where you really have to prove that you've got your medal and like that it wasn't a complete fluke. So I will uh, continue working and going forward and doing more game writing and doing more storytelling in all forms.
2: That's amazing. And that kind of segues into a thing that I'm wondering about because, you know, I'm a literary agent. My concern is how do we get people paid for the creative work that they do, right? And, you know, you've mentioned some creative sales or professional sales, you know, doing this game writing. What does that look like for you in terms of putting together... Uh, a sustainable life that is centered around your storytelling around your writing work.
3: So I'm a scrappy, scrappy girl. So I am all about making sure that I get paid um, no matter where it comes from. And one thing that I think we could all be is a little scrappier, actually. Um, Obviously in one of the great things about speculative fiction is that people are generally paid, especially in the short story world, which they aren't in other genres, but like, I've gotten my local jurisdiction to give me grants. Like I'm a big fan of grants, of residencies, of scholarships. There is money out in the world for people who they just like, we want you to write more and we want to support that. And a lot of times they're not even getting as many applications as they could. And so I'm taking all the money and I'm going to just ruin my own life here by telling other people to like look and see what's available in your area. Even if you take the money out of my pocket, I want other folks to have it as well. But I've used grants, I've used freelance jobs, game writing pays, you know, it's doing a little bit of everything to balance it out. And one of my favorite things when I'm trying to decide what I want to do next and take on a project is something I saw recently on Twitter that apparently Dolly Parton says, which is to decide, uh, it's got to do two of the following three things. One, it nurtures you creatively. Two, it sets you up for the future. And three, it pays well. And so if it does two of those three, definitely consider it. If it does all three, you probably want to do it, you know, if you can. And also, I would say if you can, like, keep your own health and sleep at night and, you know, have relationships with other people. But those are the things that kind of I think about. But money is definitely one of them. So get scrappy.
2: That is such fantastic advice. And I love that so much. Uh you know, I, I just want to add one last note just to tag onto that is I so wish more science fiction and fantasy writers knew about the grants, knew about how to apply for residencies. It's a thing that's incredibly common in the literary world. And I've seen writers really build a whole life for themselves, even before publishing their first story, even before publishing the first book. And, you know, really just do some searching, learn how to write a grant application, learn how to apply for residencies, see what's out there. And there's a ton of opportunities to help you figure out how to build a life Uh, that is centered on writing that isn't necessarily about directly getting paid for the fiction that you're putting on the page.
4: Okay, so Aaron, I, I don't know that I've got the dates right here, but sometime between 2010 and 2014, something happened where you went from doing the thing, or doing all the things, you were doing many things, and you decided, hey, I think I want to be a writer. What was it about writing that appealed to you? I mean, was it something you read? What planted the hook? What was it that, that soul-gigged you out of what you were doing before and pulled you into this horrible world we all live in now?
0: Well, I'll
3: tell you a secret about myself first, which is that I love most things that I do. Um, And I think a lot of folks, there's this theory that you sort of have like your soul sucking regular life jobs and things. And then like your creative amazingness. And I loved my work in the nonprofit field. And uh, there's another version of me who's doing that now. Um, But what I loved about it was the ability to, I love puzzles. I love the puzzle Mm -hmm. of figuring out how to take the story that's in your head and put it on the page. I just finished uh, working on a story uh, and I there's this thing that happens where you're working on a sentence and you realize I've got it. Oh my gosh, this thing is in my head it now came out and it came out the perfect way that it was supposed to. And to me, there's a magic in that, in really being able to, who knows where it's happening in your brainstem, but that process is something that's so magical and trying to capture that magic even on the days when I want to just like shred everything I've ever written is part of what keeps me going and keeps me motivated from day to day.
1: I love that so much. It, it and it's something that I, I think is unfashionable. The idea that we, we love what we do, the, 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 the fiction of the you know, oh, the angsty devil. Oh, it's so hard. My writing, my craft. I suffer for it, but we never hear the, I love what I do, and look at that. I wrote something good. So I'm, I'm delighted to hear that that is part of what, what guides you.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, for me, it's always like I, I think writers are their own best advocates. No one's going to fight better or more clearly or more cogently than you will. And I think that starts with loving what you do and loving your work. And Aaron, it's just such a delight to hear you talk about that and about that aspect of it. Um, so Aaron, I believe you have our homework for us this week.
3: I do. Uh, this has been an amazing time because it's gotten me to think about what's brought me to where I am And so the homework is to think about what's brought you to where you are. Um, When you write, when you read, you bring a bit of yourself to the table. So write down what are three things that have happened in your life that you've loved as a storytelling conceit. It could be anything from the real world to the imaginary that you think you carry with you and that you bring to the page, either when you're reading or when you're writing.
1: That's wonderful homework. All right. All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Song, Aaron Roberts, Dan Wells, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com.